Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Porter on 970 WDAY. 701-293-9000. That's your local number. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. In a moment, going to be joined by Blake Crosby of the North Dakota League of Cities. We're going to talk a little bit about the property tax situation that's unfolding across North Dakota. And then uh, later in the program, coming up at 1.30, we'll have Congressman Kevin Kramer on. Obviously, Natil, not not so great news out of Washington, D.C. this morning. Yeah, it's been a sort bit of a scary. scary day out there. Very scary. So we're going to talk with uh, Congressman Kramer, who I'm sure uh, will give us some reflections on how he and his colleagues are are, are dealing with that on both sides of the aisle out in Washington, D.C. So that's coming up, of course, at 1.30. Uh, now let's go to our guest, Mr. Blake Crosby. Blake, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Doing well. So the legislature, obviously, we we had a bit of a budget correction earlier this year, uh, and that has some implications for property taxes. Um, we're we're I, the, the whole state, basically, is, is trying to, to figure out how to live in a new normal sort of post- Post oil boom, um, tell us what's I mean what's happening what's what's happening among your constituency out in the cities. Well, Rob, what uh, they're doing is I'm encouraging them to visit with their uh, county auditor and look at the property tax statements, look at the property tax valuations, and getting out some early messaging to property tax payers of what the increase might be coming up because the 12% has gone away. Now, for, for those persons listening on the phone, when the state revenue picture was real rosy, I think it was uh, an appropriate plan for the legislators to pass some of those benefits down to property taxpayers. But one of the things they forgot to do in that plan was have an exit strategy. And now, as you indicated, the uh, revenue picture is not so, so rosy. And... Uh, those costs didn't magically disappear. So city property taxes are going to go up. They're going to be offset somewhat, depending upon what the county uh, was charging for county social service mill levies with the two-year pilot study. But I'm encouraging my cities to try to get some numbers together and get it out to the property tax payers so that they know what's coming down the pike. And that's, I, I think that's important. And obviously, I mean, property taxes can sometimes be a – an obtuse issue. I, I mean, it's, it's it can be hard to understand at times. It's certainly very complicated because we're talking about multiple taxing entities. We're talking about mills. It's it's easy for somebody who doesn't follow this stuff to get a little lost down in the weeds. You're talking about tax increases as though they're a certainty. When I have interviewed state lawmakers and I had taxation committee, uh, House Tax Tax and Finance Committee Chairman uh, Craig Headland on on this show a few weeks ago. I've had Governor Doug Burgum on this show. And I've posed this question to them and, you know, said, you know, can we expect property tax hikes? And their their comment was, you know, obviously it may vary from location to location, but they're saying this shouldn't be automatic, that the state had to tighten the belt. The city's ought to tighten the belt, too. But you're talking about it saying there's going to be pro- you know, property tax hikes, at least with, with the cities. Uh, I, I mean, is, is there is there not any room for the cities to tighten their belts as well? I think it it depends on um, the particular city. I don't want to say that every city across the state is going to increase property taxes because I've heard from a couple that are not going to have to. But generally speaking, yes, they're they're going to have to because the 12 percent's gone away. And I think it's important that listeners understand that we're really talking about a percent of a percent. 
your city property taxes are some percent of your total tax bill. And if uh, the city has to come in with a 5 or 6 7% increase, it's that percent of whatever percent of your total tax bill was. You know, looking at my property tax statements, I, I live here in Bismarck, Burley County, and um, if it goes up 6%, my tax bill is going to go up about $4 a month. Yeah, it's about 50 bucks a year. I was going to ask you, I mean, is that, are, are you getting a sense? Cause, and, and obviously, again, it's it's going to vary from location to location. I mean, each each you know each city is is dealing with its own you know challenges or or whatever on the ground but i mean do do we do we have a ballpark like a range for what and and obviously the city isn't the only part of this equation you know you have the county you have yeah there's other factors as well but at least for the the city part i mean do do we know a range or 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 you know a a rough estimate or a ballpark figure of what these increases are going to look like uh, based on what I've heard so far from just a handful of cities, we're probably in that five, six, seven percent range. And and your listeners keep need to keep in mind that because the this two year pilot study, some of that increase is going to be offset off their total bill by the decrease in the state picking up county social services. So I'll just pull numbers out of there. Let's say your city taxes would go up a hundred dollars, but the uh, County social services was worth fifty dollars. Well, then your taxes are only going to go up fifty bucks. And again, it, as you indicated, property tax statements are not easy to read. Um, and you mentioned mills. I'm pleased to report that we are no longer going to show right. mills. We're going yeah, to go with right. dollars. That's so right. that ought to make things a little bit more clear. But I think at the end of the day, when people get their property tax statements. What they're really concerned about is what did I pay last year and what am I going to pay this year? And for most of my cities, they're going to see a little bit of an increase, which is, again, going to be offset by the, the state buying down county social services. How do we I – because mean, property taxes are a, are a perennial you know, political hot button, right? I mean, it, it seems like people just are never satisfied with, with their property taxes. In fact – it's why the legislature got in this game in the first place. I mean, you talked about doing the 12% buy down. They didn't do the exit strategy. And, and I guess we are where we're at today because they're not continuing the 12% buy down. Although they are, they did do a social services buy down, but I mean, what, what's, what's the solution here? I mean, is there a way we can, we can do this? That's, that's going to satisfy people. I mean, what did the state miss the boat on something? Is there some sort of reform that we could just make this process easier? So it doesn't create so much consternation. Well, I no, that's going to be my base answer. Because why do we have the consternation? Because what is when you are running for the state legislature and you go door knocking door to door, and I want to emphasize door to door, what is the common thread amongst all those people you want to visit with when you're knocking door to door? Property taxes. So that gets to be the common uh, thread in their platform when they're running for office that I'm going to I'm going to lower your property taxes. Property taxes are a local tax. The state needs to keep their fingers out of local property taxes. And I think now that this little situation has happened, I heard much more comment on the floor of both the House and the Senate by state legislators saying, 
we have no business dealing with local property taxes. We need to get out of the local property tax business. You know, it's it's interesting you say that because I, I, I feel the same way, and I have been writing that for years going back to, what was it, the 2007 session, I think, where we kind of opened the door to this and we were trying to do like property tax rebates through the income tax, and that was a big mess. And then I think 2009 is when we started maybe doing the buy-downs. I, I forget. I don't know. Maybe those dates aren't right. But, that, I mean, it's this, is, this goes back a long ways. And I seem to remember that it, it being a dynamic where people were upset about property taxes and the locals saying, well, blame the legislature. I mean, I heard a lot of county officials. I heard a lot of city officials sort of shifting that blame. Well, the legislature is not appropriately funding things, putting the political onus on the legislature and the legislature reacting, I think, badly, because I agree with you. I don't think they ever should have stuck their hands in the property tax. It should have been a local issue. If you don't like your property taxes, take it up with your local officials. That's a local debate. But was it I mean, wasn't there a political dynamic where this was kind of pushed on the legislature, too? Not that I recall this. And again, we need to keep in mind that why this happened. Our revenue stream was really, really good coming into the state coffers. The ag sector was way up. The the oil sector was way up, and and it was everybody was had this exuberance of all this money coming into the state coffers and. We spent too when, much money. When, when this was being discussed, a bunch of us said, "Don't pass something that's not sustainable." Well, the amount of money coming in kind of overrode those comments, and now we find ourselves in, in this position. But the twelve percent was never intended to be permanent. Unfortunately, I do not believe that uh, legislators did a good job of going back to their constituents and saying. The state's doing well. We're going to share some of the benefits with you. If the state does not do well down the road, these benefits are going to go away. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it is what it is now when we got to forge a, pass for, a path forward. Mr. Crosby, thank you so much for your time. Yes, you're welcome. It's Blake Crosby from the North Dakota League of Cities. I'm Rob Port here on 970 KY. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. I just finished up with Blake Crosby of the North Dakota League of Cities. He's saying cities, your property taxes, city portion anyway, probably going up. Uh, and I, I think it's right. I think it's unavoidable. I think the mistake made was the legislature getting involved in this in the first place. They never should have. Uh, coming up next segment, Congressman Kevin Kramer is going to be joining me. Uh, obviously, a pretty ugly situation out in Washington, D.C. today. Um, I'm I'm interested in hearing Congressman Kramer's reaction to this. It's got to be a little bit scary. And, and of course, uh, Congressman Kramer had an altercation with somebody at a town hall here in North Dakota just a few weeks ago. Uh, We had them both. It it had a nice ending. We had them both on this program. Uh, The gentleman who sort of physically uh, accosted Mr. Kramer as trying to, like, shove money down his collar or something like that uh, ended up apologizing to him, said he just got overworked or, I I guess, too worked up or whatever. but it was it was a little bit of an ugly situation, and it it thankfully had a had a nice resolution here in North Dakota. But this guy that allegedly shot 
who's been identified as the alleged shooter of Representative Scalise and and others who is firing on uh, this baseball practice of a, of a group of Republicans who, according to reports, allegedly asked whether or not it was Republicans or Democrats practicing on that field. The way this looks right now, and obviously this is a very fluid situation, this is a breaking news situation, so some of these reports may change, but it seems pretty firmed up at this point that this guy was a, a sort of you know hardcore left-wing guy who was, you know, following Bernie Sanders. He was following, like, John Oliver and a lot of the sort of the left-wing commentators and, according to reports, had been practicing uh, shooting outside of his home. He lives in rural Illinois uh, for the past couple of weeks. He goes over to Virginia and allegedly, the way it looks now, opened fire on a group of Republicans. That looks like that sure sounds to me like a politically motivated incident. And I know there's a lot of unity out there and a lot of people who are are, are saying, you know, let's let's get together. And that's great. I believe in that. Yes, absolutely. Let's get together. Let's let's maybe think about the way we talk about each other when we engage in politics and we talk about politics. But I think you also can't leave out of the equation the fact that it sure looks like this was a politically motivated shooting. And that's horrible and that's scary. And I think maybe an illustration of of everybody needing to cool things down. But I think at, at least in this moment of history, and I'm not exonerating the right because there's probably other there, there are, in fact, other moments in history where the right has been guilty of this. But th- at this moment in history right now with Donald Trump in the White House, the left has a problem with extremists committing acts of violence. And it's, it's on a lot of different fronts. It's the, the anti-fascists, right, who dress up in black and attack, you know, pro-Trump rallies. It's the pipeline protesters, like we saw here in North Dakota, committing acts of violence, setting things on fire, vandalizing things. It's, uh, you know, the inauguration protesters. I, I mean, it's, it's one thing after another. It's, I mean, just a few weeks ago, while Republicans were pushing to, to get a, a vote on their health care bill, the ACHA, Democrats were assigning a body count to that. They were talking about how many people the Republican health care bill was going to kill. Now, it's great that everybody now is saying, well, you know, we're all on the same side. You know, none of us are against, you know, we're going to have unity. We're going to treat each other like human beings. But how many days, how many weeks are going to go by until we're back to that sort of rhetoric? So we're back to Republicans are fascists. Republicans are going to kill people with their policies. And think about that. I mean, when you call somebody a Nazi, when you call somebody a, a, a fascist, when you suggest that they're going to do things to kill people, for a certain sort of person in their brain, they're going to think, well, maybe it's okay to do violence to that person. You look at college campuses across the country, there are students who think it's okay to commit acts of violence to silence conservatives. At this moment in history, the left has a problem, and we need to talk about that. Congressman Kevin Kramer joins me next. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY. Don't go away. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. 
Joining me now, Congressman uh, Kevin Kramer. And uh, Kevin, it's been a pretty chaotic day out there in Washington, D.C. How are things going? Yeah, it, it has. It's certainly been um, it, It's been the most different day uh, of any I've had out here in the last four and a half years, to say the least. And it's a, it's a, a little bit of chaos, for sure, but also just a whole bunch of very somber so self-reflection and, and you know, chamber reflection and uh, really very it's a, it's an interesting time and, and yet we're trying to go on with business too we're not you know we, you know we did adjourn for the day after prayer and and the speeches from Paul Ryan and, and Nancy Pelosi most of the hearings were were canceled for today but other things you know went on and we're trying to keep the, you know the capital still open uh, certainly increased police presence uh, have had visitors uh, that I've met with from uh, North Dakota 4-H students and North Dakota Rural Electric Cooperative students. And so um, you're trying to maintain a sense of normalcy, but, Rob, I have to be honest, I mean, it's not normal. It's really not normal, and, and it's, there's just a whole bunch, of, whole bunch of reflection going on right now. Speaking about reflection, I mean, obviously i I, I got to imagine that you and your colleagues are thinking a lot about security these days. Mm-hmm. You had an incident here in North Dakota not so long ago at one of your town halls, and, and you hold a lot of these events that are pretty wide open. A uh, gentleman came up and put his hands on you. Now, we had a nice resolution to that. He apologized and just said he got a little carried away. But in light of this incident, are you rethinking some of your accessibility? Are you thinking about some of your security? Yeah, it's interesting, Rob, because the one thing I don't want to lose is the the access. That's really important to me, of, of course. And I, th- I think it's important to constituents. And I want to maintain that spirit. At the same time, you know, I am thinking about how do I better secure them. I mean, it doesn't make much sense to have a public meeting and not invite people. You know, so that wouldn't work very well. Um, I, I do think that, you know, I'm thinking about things like my own public schedule. It's so interesting because just in the last few months, we, we continually look at, for example, with our communications team, how much to put on the, the public calendar. And you might notice that you follow it. You know, I've been trying to find ways to add political events, even though it's an official calendar. I think it's important constituents know what I'm doing and where I'm doing it. Um, I include, you know, events that the public's not that aren't open to the public, but they're in the public interest. I like people to know what I'm doing. That to me, that's just part of the transparency. And yet, as I think about this, I think, well, you know, having people not know where you are may not be such a bad thing. Either and uh, because the responsibility you feel is not just to you or just me or even just to me and my family, which is considerable, obviously. But you know, everybody around you becomes part of the, you know, know, part of an incident should an incident occur. And so, yeah, we're thinking about all of that stuff. But what I'm thinking about is ways to make public um, events more secure, not ways to do fewer public events. uh, we can't let one incident um, paralyze us, but at the same time, it's you know it's been a bit more than just one incident. There, there's been a tremendous increase in threats and threat assessments. I, I don't know about um, John and Heidi uh, what they're experiencing, but I suspect if we ask them, they'd say the same thing. There, there's a, there are more phone calls, there are more you know, rough Facebook and and uh, other social media posts that result sometimes in FBI visits and you know things like that. So there is you know just uh, there's just a lot more to be concerned about. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, obviously, there was, and, and I mean, we're, we're still in the very early stages of this, and there's a lot of investigations going on, but they right. do have an alleged shooter. Uh, he has apparently passed, he's, he's dead. Um, President yes. Trump announced that earlier today. 
looking at his social media, he certainly had a very specific political bent. He was a, yeah. a left-wing guy, a Bernie Sanders supporter, apparently volunteered for the Bernie Sanders campaign. Um, he talked consistently on social media about, you know, needing, uh, you know, tr- Trump and his Trump and company needing to be destroyed, things like that. Uh, do you worry? And I, and I don't, you know, I, I don't like this idea as somebody who uses the First Amendment thoroughly. I don't like this yeah. idea where, where anyone would say that, well, you can't say something or you have to limit what you say because you sure. might inspire, inspire some nut job to do something. But we are seeing college campuses where conservative speakers can't speak. And we are seeing black, black robed thugs. Uh, attacking political rallies uh, under the, you know, calling themselves anti-fascists. I mean, we are seeing real violence in reaction to President Trump. Does some of that need to cool down? What are your thoughts? Well, it does need to cool down. I think people that are, like myself who support Donald Trump and people who don't have, have, share a responsibility in helping cool it down. I want to be very clear, Rob, about that. The other thing is the irony, though, that you, you know, that you point out is interesting because when the expression of of free speech results in squelching somebody else's i don't think that's what the constitution was intended for and what it was intended in the first amendment i don't think that you know a liberty is not licensed and we oftentimes confuse those things that that you know the freedom to express yourself is not a liberty to incite violence or certainly to exercise violence so so words do matter and uh, even within the constraints of the uh, you know the constitution there are constraints. I mean, um, so I, but most of it comes down to common sense and, and uh, appropriate, appropriate expression. I mean, every law and regulation in the world has been the result usually of an overreaction of, of uh, some violation of, um, of liberty. So we have to be careful, and I certainly would want to be, um, but at the same time, I would hope people would be responsible. And, and we have a lot to to think about here because there are a lot of us, including people who do blogs and radio shows and people who do, you know, television news and politicians themselves and office holders and, um, you know, and, and their and their their activists and, and stakeholders and you know we all have a responsibility here that we ought to sort of take on equally and share the burden equally um, because just as this person, you know, today. Uh, you know, as a Bernie Sanders supporter and volunteer, and has a you know active liberal Facebook page. Uh, you know, the next one may be an you know an active uh, conservative, and and uh, so I'm I'm you know I'm certainly not going to be quick to point to that to those facts. It, it can go both ways, and so that's why I just think, you know, it doesn't matter who did it first. It doesn't matter who did it last. It, it, what matters is who, you know that we take some responsibility in, in our sphere of influence and try to cool things down, as you say. We got a caller, Darren. You're on with Congressman Kramer. What's up? Yeah, hi. First of all, uh, thanks for what you just said, Congressman Kramer, because uh, that's kind of uh, where I was going with it. Uh, so I have a, a bigger point, but I need to ask a question first. <laughs> Do you get along with your uh, liberal uh, buddies up there? Uh, I mean, in the way where you guys aren't bashing each other. You guys are pretty civil to each other. Do you guys yeah. play golf together and stuff like that? <laughs> well, I don't play any golf with them, but because no, who's got time for that? But um, but we, I have many good friends. I've, in fact, it's interesting, Darren. Uh, walking after you know today, we had a very short session um, prayer and the speaker and and uh, Leader Pelosi uh, each spoke, and then we adjourned for the day. And I walked back to the offices with Joe Kennedy. Joe is a, a Democrat from Massachusetts, and. Um, 
and you know we just are both it's it's a very i will just tell you guys this is a very weird experience in in my all my days here in four and a half years this is the weirdest experience yet and we're all just sort of again i keep saying reflecting but we're really processing together all of this and yeah i have many good democratic friends that i spend time with that i pray with that um uh you know we we share with in, in a very open way Okay. Um, the reason why I ask this is because the perception from, you know, my living room watching the media is that everybody hates each other. And I think that we're seeing this and we're emulating this, and this is causing the problem. So uh, when, I see, when, I, when I see that there's going to be a charitable baseball game and the mm-hmm. left and the right are going to be able to play a game together, but yet each other. on Facebook you're seeing all this extreme hatred. It's going to leak out. It's going to come back like it did today. It's going to bite some of you guys. And it's kind of coming down from the top because we're not seeing this in the media. We're seeing too much hate. We're, not seeing, uh, we're seeing the hate with pundits on TV and journalism. That's all we're seeing. So I don't, I don't, I don't, don't know if it comes up from getting along. Oh, I, I, I'll, I'll just add on. To, I, I disagree with Darren, though. I don't think it's coming up from the top. I, th- I think the politicians and and the the cable news people and and even talk radio and bloggers and that are giving the public what they want. I think the public's oh, really? divided like never before, and I think I think the politicians and I think the media are are serving demand. You know, the the public okay. wants, but the the okay, public so wants that doesn't want politicians Max, to. What about Maxine Waters? I, I, th- I think Maxine Waters says what she says because it appeals to a specific constituency. Yeah, you know it's, it's for a vote. So yeah. she's playing, she's playing this extreme level of the resist movement and does nothing but talk because it gets votes almost every time. Because she opens because for her, her because yeah, because for her it gets votes. Is she going from, out from, and from having a uh, dinner with Republicans after she gets done spouting stuff? We she might. Do I, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Let's 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 yeah. let uh, you know, Congress. That's a really away. important point. Uh, important question, Darren, that you raise. Ma- Maxine's actually to use her specifically, and I haven't done much with her lately in, in terms of stuff. We worked pretty closely on some um, flood legislation uh, in my first term here. But Maxine's really, really a nifty woman. I, I like her on a personal level. She's she's quite smart, and um, but but she is she isn't. There's an anti-Trump. Thing that's really ramped her up. There's no question about it. And but I think that similarly, there are some Republicans that can that get pretty ramped up. You, you know, and I, I think of a guy like um, Louis Gohmert, for example, who can sometimes gets yeah. on and gets a little you know ramped up. And 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 that's okay. We're all human. None, none of us are are you know exempt from from some of that. But I do think that a, a moment like this causes should cause all of us. And I, I'm mainly looking at myself, frankly, you guys, I just mm-hmm. think we have to do what we can within our own circle of influence and to, to, to try and bring that down. And I think what you're going to see, and this is my hope, and it was a really good moment today on the, on the House floor, and maybe this is the good that c- comes out of it. I think you're going to see a, a real conscientious effort by people both on the right and the left to, to um, you know, to, to present not less passion and not less conviction about what we believe, but perhaps uh, a, a softer rhetoric. Let's hope for that. I mean, I guess I do. Um, but, but I think to Rob's point, one thing I would tell you about the House of Representatives and the thing I love so much about it is if you sit in the gallery and you look down on, a, on when all 435 of us are in the room, you are seeing what the founders had in mind, and that is a perfect reflection of the of the 
you know, 300 million of us. It's really a diverse group that's, that's very reflective of the 600, 700,000 people or so that each of us represents. And we have to find a way to use our positions of influence to have influence rather than just sort of parrot what is in vogue or what, what the public is responding to. And um, I think that's a, that's a pretty big challenge. I mean, the People's House is all about the people. It's all about that reflection that Rob speaks of. But there's another responsibility as well, um, and that, that is to use your influence as well. Can I, I say one last Can I say one real, last real, thing? Real quick, real quick uh, there, and then we're going to wrap it up. Okay. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, our kids, like my kids right now are going through school. This is all they're seeing they're seeing yeah. nothing but this fighting. It's bringing bringing our country down. We're tearing ourselves apart, and it's from what we're getting out of yeah. the White House, you know, out of Washington. It, it somebody needs to really, I mean, not somebody. They all need to take a second look at this, reevaluate how they talk and how they lead. Yeah, I, I don't. I completely agree, Darren. But I'd also add to that. I, it is time for our news media, the, the, the national networks and the Fox News. MSNBC and the others, to, to stop highlighting a lot of this stuff. They, there is more of a – take the James Comey stuff. You talk about in a legal – just a basic legal sense how little there is there, and yet it's the soap opera of the decade, and that's all pure hype. It is – there is, you know, the collusion nonsense, the obstruction of justice nonsense. It is nothing, and yet you would think that it was, you know, it was uh, the biggest scandal in American history. And, and so I think there's a lot of responsibility here. Well, Congressman, thanks for your time. Hopefully next week we'll have something a little nicer to, uh, to talk about. Look forward to it. Thanks, Rob. That's Congressman Kevin Kramer. More to come. We'll wrap up the show right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329 if you want to get on the last few minutes. Uh, just reading a, a tweet from MedStar Washington. That is the um, the hospital where the victims of today's shooting were taken. Uh, there was Representative uh, Steve Scalise, House Majority Whip from Louisiana, uh, and there was another one, uh, unnamed individual, as far as I know. I think it was a congressional aide or something like that. Um, the aide, the, the other person is in good condition, according to the hospital. A resident of Scalise is out of surgery. He was critically, critically injured and remains in critical condition. So certainly, uh, hoping, hoping for a full recovery there. Um, just heard Congressman Kramer talk. I mean, obviously I, this is a situation that gives a lot of members of Congress pause. Uh, there are a lot of, there are a lot of members of Congress who make themselves very accessible. That's a laudable thing. That's a that's a thing that we want. But they're also putting themselves at a degree of risk, and it could be a scary thing. We had a caller during the earlier segment, Darren, too, who was talking about how we need to cool this down with the uh, you know cable news and the politicians and everything else. And, and I would I would argue that if we're going to cool anything down, I think it's got to start with us. Why does cable news, why is that their business model? Why is, you know, these heated debates, talking heads, shouting at one another, why is their business model? Why do politi- why do, um, why are politicians throwing rhetorical bombs at one another? Why did Donald Trump get so much traction by insulting people? You know, why, why, why does this have, and, and it happens because there are constituencies that want it in the public. There is demand. 
for that sort of hardcore political rhetoric, and they're serving it. Politicians, everything politicians do is to get reelected. That's what they do. Everything cable news does is to get viewers. That's what they do. It's appealing to people. Now, we may not admit it to ourselves. We may not go out in public and say, gosh, I really want to sit in my living room couch and watch people shout at each other for three hours during prime time. But there's clearly millions and millions of Americans who do want that, who tune in for it every night. If we want change, I think we got to start with each other. we got to start with ourselves. And I'm not saying that you have to stop disagreeing. I'm not saying you got to stop making your arguments forcefully. All I'm saying is that if you're disagreeing with somebody and you're going at them and it's hammer and tongs, maybe along the way try to find something human in them too. I'm Rob Port. That's it for today. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. on 970 WDAY or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Stay tuned for that. See the dog.